We started a series last week called Dumb Things Christians Say. Dumb Things Christians Say. How many people in here have ever heard a Christian say something dumb? Come on, let me see your hand. How many Christians in the room have ever said something dumb? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all, we've all done that. And we said last week, just to clarify, because I can already tell like I'm upsetting somebody. It's not that the people are dumb. It's that they say some dumb things. We've all done it. And uh, it's not just Christians. It's everybody. But it seems like sometimes we can take Bible verses or Christian cliches or bumper stickers or, you know, and we can kind of preach to people or talk to people and say things that maybe we're think, we think will be helpful, but a lot of times they're not that helpful. And so last week we talked about the statement, uh, too blessed to be stressed. We don't like that. That's not true. Too blessed to be stressed. And this week we're going to be looking at the statement, God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. How many people have ever heard that phrase before? Let me see your hand. Come on. God won't give you more than you can handle. That statement that is used so often is taken out of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Like there is a part of the Bible that says something like that. I'm going to read it to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So that is in, uh, in the Bible. It's true. It's true. There's never a time in your life when you are tempted beyond your ability to say no. That is a truth from God's word. No matter what it feels like, no matter how impossible it seems to make the right decision, the Bible tells us that God has put a limit on the amount of temptation the devil is allowed to throw at you. And that's the good news. The bad news is that that also means we're not allowed to say things like, I couldn't help it, right? Because there's always a way out. There's always a back door to slide out of that temptation that we're in, okay? So that is 100% true, that there is no temptation that is on us that we are not able to bear, okay? But what's happened over time is the concept from 1 Corinthians 10, 13 about temptation has been used to apply to everything that we face in life, okay? That there are no situations in life that are beyond our ability to bear, okay? But that's, that's not true. It's not true. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about that statement that uh, God won't give you more than you can handle, all right? Now, we're going to get uh, to some real application here in a few minutes, but let me just start out um, by giving you the reasons I don't like this statement, okay? There, there are a couple reasons I don't like this statement. Number one, it implies that everything hard in your life comes from God. I don't like that statement because that's not true. That when you're going through something difficult in life and someone says to you, God won't give you more than you can bear, it implies that what you're going through is from God. And there are some things in your life that are from God, but everything in your life is not from God. Like if, if you broke the law and you're going to jail, guess what? That's a you problem, right? That's not God up in heaven saying, I'm going to send him to jail. No, your actions sent you to jail. Okay, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. There are some things in our lives that are from God that are tough for us, um, but not everything. So, so when we say that God won't give you more than you can handle, you may be handling something right now or unable to handle something that's not from God. So that's one reason. Second reason is it somehow implies, we talked about this last week, last week a little bit, like when somebody Jesus jukes you, like kind of gets onto you and makes you feel guilty for being stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, or whatever. It implies that you shouldn't complain, worry, feel stressed, or overwhelmed. 
Like you're stressed and overwhelmed and life's kind of going crazy and somebody says, remember, God won't give you more than you can handle. It's almost like they're saying like, well, you, you shouldn't feel overwhelmed right now. You shouldn't feel stressed right now. But we all know that there are situations in life where like, yes, I guess if we were like 100% focused and 100% following Jesus and no sin in our lives and no distractions, maybe possibly we could have the ultimate focus and not be overwhelmed. But that's not the reality. And Jesus was even overwhelmed at one point in his life. And he said to us like, hey, you're going to have trouble in life and things are going to happen to you, right? And so don't feel bad about being overwhelmed or stressed sometimes. We, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to listen to that. But then number three, here's the third reason that I don't like this statement is that it implies that God never stretches us beyond our ability or our comfort zone. That God would, his ultimate concern is that he would be up in heaven and he'd be like, listen, angels, my ultimate concern is that Jason would never be stretched beyond anything that he could handle, right? And as parents, if you have children in the room, like if you're a parent, you know that's not true. Like you, you want your kids to be stretched. You want the bar to be raised. There may be times and lots of times in their life where they can't handle it. And so, you know, it, it's good for them. Uh, I, I talk about it often during the season, but uh, myself and Daniel coach our daughter's soccer team, seven, eight, and nine-year-old girls. Yeah, 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 that's Daniel in the back. Seven, eight, and nine-year-old girls. We're really building a dynasty out there in Mount Washington and Shepherdsville. But anyway, so the other night for practice, there was an 11 and 12 year old girls team practicing on the other field. And Daniel said to me, he's like, let's see if they'll scrimmage us. So we went and asked the coach and he said he would. And so we gathered the girls around in a circle. And we said, guys, here's the deal. Tonight, we're going to scrimmage those girls over there. And all the girls looked over there at the giants that were 11 and 12 years old. And they started saying things back to us like, we can't play them. We can't beat them. We can't go up against them. They're so big, right? There are times in life when it feels that way to us. We can't do that. We can't face that. We can't go against that. Kids experience it. We watch it as parents. And then in life, we, we face that. So, so there is not this, this premise that's not true that somehow God would be up in heaven. And he's like, hey, I just, I'm not going to stretch you. I'm not going to get you outside of your comfort zone. That, that's not the way that he worked. Matter of fact, if you spend much time reading the Bible at all, you find countless examples I mean, countless examples of people put in situations way beyond what they could handle. You want me to give you a couple? All right, here, here we go. Noah was asked to build a 450-foot boat to save humanity. How many people know that way? That was pretty heavy. <laughs> like, hey, no, it's never rained before, Noah. You don't even know what rain is, but I'm going to make it rain so much it's going to flood. No biggie, though, because you're going to save humanity by building a 450-foot boat. Noah's like, what's a boat? I'll show you, okay, right? So that's, that's pretty weighty. You know, Noah maybe came home and told his wife, like, God asked me to build a 450-foot boat, and maybe Noah's wife was like, well, just remember, God won't give you more than you can handle. <laughs> no, I doubt it. Um, Daniel spent the night in a cage with hungry lions. Maybe as he was going into the cage, somebody was like, Daniel, don't be afraid. Remember. God won't ever give you more than you can handle. Like, these lions were hungry. I'm sure he was stressing out a little bit. Daniel was amazing, prayed up, but I'm sure there had to be a little bit in his heart. Like, God, are you sure about this? I don't know if this will be okay. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those were friends of Daniel. They were thrown into a fiery furnace. Like, really, really hot fire. 
Like that's a situation that they cannot handle on their own. No matter how much gear they put on, no matter how much Daniel's been trained to tame lions, that's not a situation that they can handle, right? Now, as I thought about this message this week, I've really kind of struggled because I am wired. My personality is very much a fixer. It's very much a kind of handle things, get things done kind of guy. I'm not somebody that uh, usually complains or, or, or feels overwhelmed. And so I've there's been a little pushback for me in my own heart, like, well, are there, are there a lot of things in my life that I can't handle? Because initially my thought was, well, I mean, I feel like I'm handling most things in my life okay. Is it possible to try and to live life on your own, manage all the emotions life throws at you, accomplish everything asked of you, and avoid all potential dangers and problems in life? I guess so. But here's really the question I want to ask you today is, why would you want to? Like, is it possible for you to manage and handle everything that life throws at you on your own? Maybe, but why would you want to? Why would you even want to try? John 16, 7, Jesus was talking and he says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the helper won't come. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. And the way that, the very first way that he described the Holy Spirit was that the Holy Spirit was a helper. Like someone who helps us. I love the fact that the Holy Spirit is a helper. I have a two-year-old son, Solomon, who is just amazing and crazy all at the same time. And whenever myself or Andrea pulls in from the grocery store to, and, and we're ready to unload groceries and the girls are helping, Solomon, being the man that he is, comes out and says, Daddy, I'll help. Give me a bag, Dad. Give me a bag, Dad. And so I'll, I'll give him a bag and he'll, he'll immediately, oh, and he'll try to carry it. I mean, it's like, you know, paper towels. I don't know what it is, but you know, he's like, uh. I'll say, Solomon, I'll get it. No, no, dad, 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 I got it. I got it, dad. I got it. And he'll just drag it. It'll take him like 10 minutes. He'll just drag it. He is not going to let me help. I don't know what it is. Like he's going to get it. And I was watching that a couple of weeks ago from the perspective of father to son. And, and I couldn't help but think that that's probably how God looks at us a lot of times. We're like, no, 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 really. I'm okay. Ah, I got it. And God's like, why, why don't you just let me help you? Why don't you just let me do that, right? But we are so stubborn that we won't let God help us, right? And God has given us a helper. He's given us the Holy Spirit. But I think the reason, this is number four, I think the reason I don't like this statement the most, and this is what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time, is that it implies that we don't need God's help. When we say that God won't give you more than you can handle, what we're saying in a way is that we don't need God's help. In other words, what we're saying is, you should be able to handle this. You don't need God's help. You should be able to handle this. And what's interesting about that is that we believe and worship and serve a God who is alive, who has like miracle power in him, and he gives it to us. He says that you can do even greater things. So we serve a God who is miraculous, and if I was to take a survey today, everybody in the room would say, yeah, I'd like to experience a miracle. But the reality is that no one in the room ever wants to be put in a situation where you need a miracle. So we want a miracle, but we don't ever want to be in a situation where we need a miracle. We want God's help. We just don't want to ever be put in a situation where we have to have God's help, right? If you ever find yourself in a situation you can't handle, 
in your life. Like maybe right now you're taking inventory of your life and you're thinking like, well, where are the situations in my life that I can't handle? And if you can't think of any, because I was challenged about this myself, you're probably playing it too safe. Probably. If there's no areas in your life right now where you're thinking, you know what? I got it. I can handle it. You're probably not living a life that requires, you're probably living a life that doesn't require much faith at all. You're not swimming in the deep end of life. You're not jumping off the diving board with no floaties on. You're, you're, you're not living by faith if you can handle everything in your life. But if you're willing to take a step of faith, then you can find yourself in situations where you can, you require, like God has to come through. Like maybe you make a commitment to give something beyond your ability or your means to give it. Maybe it's to face a fear, like getting on an airplane and leaving the country and going on a missions trip, right? Maybe it's sharing your faith with someone in your life. Maybe it's putting your reputation on the line with a, a public prayer for healing or a miracle. Can, can you imagine Somebody who's sick at work and you walking up like in front of everybody and being like, I'm going to pray for you and God is going to heal you. I'll put my reputation on it. How many people know you'd go back to your desk and be like, God, I can't handle this. I can't do it, right? Reminds me of a story that I, uh, I read this week about a man named Clayton King. Um, I'll summarize it for you. But Clayton was 25 years old when he led a missionary team uh, to a, a village called Zangla. It's on the, the border of Pakistan. It's a very remote village and um, unreached people groups. And um, just a few months earlier, British missionaries had been killed by Islamic terrorists for having a Bible in their backpack. And Clayton and his team were transporting 1,100 Bibles in their backpacks. And so weeks leading up to the trip, they were uh, fasting and praying. And Clayton says that he specifically was praying for miracles. Like, God, when we get over there, like, you're going to have to miraculously make a way, right? Because he knew he was going to need it. So they flew into the city of Leh and, and got into a van, and they were driving the, the multiple-hour drive to Zangla. And when they were out in the middle of the nowhere, in the middle of nowhere on this dirt road, they came across a hitchhiker standing on the, the side of the road. And they told the driver to keep going because... They didn't know who this guy was, could have been a terrorist, could, they had no idea, but the driver pulls over, picks the man up, the man gets in the van, they're freaking out a little bit. They begin to talk to the man who has very broken English, and they come to find out that the man's name was Naja Norbu. And when they begin to find out a little bit about Naja Norbu, what they found out was that he was the king of the village of Zangla, Right? They're still a few hours away from the village. The story is that, uh, that the king was headed into town for something with the government. His car broke down. He was trying to walk back. He couldn't go any farther. The van shows up. And now the king of the village that the missionaries were headed to is sitting in the van. The king looks at Clayton King and says, what's your name? And Clayton says to him, my name is Clayton King. And because of the language barrier, the, the, the king, um, uh, Naja thought that Clayton King was a king. And he said, why would a king from America come all the way to my village? And he said, well, we brought a team. We want to set up a medical clinic and, and, and help your people. And so not only now, they were so scared to get there. Now they, had, they were escorted by the king into the village. So two days while they're there in the village, two days, the queen comes to them and says, do you know how to deliver a baby? 
And he says, I don't, but I have a doctor with me. And so he goes and gets the doctor. The doctor examines the lady who's pregnant. She's about to deliver. And as they examine her, they, the, the doctor says, you've got twins, but I'm afraid that the first baby is going to be stillborn because the baby's breached and there's no telling how long the baby has been dead, but, but the first baby is most likely going to be dead and we're not sure about the second one. Obviously, everybody was upset. And in, in the book, in his book that Clayton wrote, I'm going to read it to you how he wrote it. He says, I don't even know what came over me at the time is what he's saying. But through an interpreter, here's what I told the queen and here's what I told this lady. He said, we have come from America as the people of God. Our God is Jesus Christ who was killed for our sins and then raised from the dead. He's powerful and loving and he will show you his power. This mother will live tonight and these babies will live tonight. Because God has sent us to you for this purpose. If they die, then you can do with us anything you wish. And he says, like, I, I, it was almost like God was speaking through me. Like, I didn't realize exactly what I was saying. And so they deliver the babies. And sure enough, they had to break the hip of the first baby to, to get it out. Sure enough, when they deliver the baby, no heartbeat, no pulse. They don't know how long the baby had been dead. But the baby was 100% dead, no breathing. Delivered the second child. The second child was alive. Mother survived. And so Clayton says in that moment, like he is freaking out, but also full of faith. And he steps to the side and he says to God, God, this is not my reputation on the line. This is your reputation on the line. And he said he began to pray like his life depended on it because most likely it did. And about 15 minutes later, that first child who was still wrapped up and sitting to the side began to cry and scream and came back to life. And they led most of the people in that village to Jesus Christ. And as I read that story, I thought about, wow, you talk about being in a situation that you can't handle. You can't handle that. Only God shows up in that situation. And so God wants you and I to be in situations in life. Not only does he put us in situations that we can't handle, but he desires for us to be in situations that we can't handle because he wants to help us. And so I want to show you uh, just an illustration so that this will stick with you so you can remember this. I'm going to ask uh, some of my helpers to come up. Oh, Clark, Clark and Daniel, why don't y'all come on up? Come on, let's give them a hand. We're going to a little illustration today. Come on up here, guys. Come on. How many people in here you would say, I like to work out? I like to work out. Anybody in here, I like to work out. Okay, a couple of you guys. You know what it's like when you want to get jacked up, go to the gym, get, you're going to lift some weights. Let's play some music up there to get, ready for, uh, to get ready for the gym, get these guys ready to go. Yeah. All right, so we're getting ready. We're going to get excited. We're, we're going to get jacked up because we're, we're going to lift... We're gonna lift some weights today in the gym, all right? You can cut the music. All right, so who's gonna lift for me? You lifting? Hop on, hop on the bench. Hop on the bench there for me. Now, James, the book of James chapter one says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to explain what James 1 means, all right? So Clark is on the bench, and Clark is ready to lift, and we're just going to start, even though I know he's stronger than this, we're just going to start with the bar. Go ahead and give me a couple reps of that, Clark. How, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me a couple reps. Give me a couple reps. Come on, cheer him on, everybody. Come on. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You can put it up there. Uh, how, how much does a bar weigh? Like 80 pounds, something like that? 45. 45, 45. No problem. All right, great. Great, no problem. I have a little trouble lifting it, getting it up here today. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Clark, Clark works out. Clark's a trainer. Clark knows what he's doing. And so for Clark to lift 45 pounds, not that big a deal. Now, he could keep lifting, and just time in general is probably going to wear him down a little bit. And it may get heavier. It's going to get heavier. And yes, technically, while he's lifting 45 pounds, he is getting stronger technically. But he's already exceeded. He's stronger than just lifting 45 pounds. Does that, does that make sense to everybody, right? So if all Clark did for the rest of his life was lift 45 pounds, like, congratulations, you're exercising, and that's good. But there's more in him, right? There's more in him. So lay back down for me, Clark. And let's put, Daniel, go ahead. Let's put, some, uh, let's put some 45s on there. Where's the 45? I don't know if I'll be able to do this. Let's see. Oh! Oh! All right. Got it? All right. So now this is what, 135 pounds? Let's go ahead and lift this, Clark. Come on. Cheer him on, everybody. Come on. Cheer him on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. That's good. Give me two more. Give me two more. That's good right there. That's good right there. That's good right there. Now. That's impressive, okay? I'm just going to go out there and say that. That's impressive. And Clark could keep lifting 135 pounds in his life, and he's probably going to get stronger. He will get stronger. But he was throwing up 135 pretty easy. Don't you guys think? Like, that was pretty, pretty simple for Clark, right? It was heavier than 85, but it, it, was, it was not all that he could do. How many people know there's a lot more in him, right? Now, here's what's crazy, is that if I got on this bench right now, and I tried to lift this, I could probably get it up, but it, it, would, it would be close to, like, my max. I'm not a big weightlifter. I did throw some 135 in high school. But it would be, listen, it would be challenging for me to lift this weight. It would. It's not challenging for Clark, which this is not the point of the message, but I want to just point out that that's why it's so silly for us to judge people. And compare, right? Because if, if I was to get on that bench and Clark was to stand on the side and say, well, that's silly. You should be stronger. You should be able to lift more. You shouldn't struggle with that. That shouldn't be stressing you out right now. Why are you so overwhelmed? That's not even that much. I mean, like the president's overwhelmed. Like you're, you're, a brain surgeon is like busy. Like you're not busy. Like why are you? But we're at different places. He's stronger than I am. He's lifted a lot more weight in his life than I have, right? I haven't lifted near as much as he's lifted. So I could get down there and I could struggle and 135 would be really challenging me and really challenging my muscles, right? But not so much for Clark because there's, there's more in Clark, all right? So lay back down for me, Clark. Let's throw these 35s on there. Thank you, sir, for lifting that for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> So what, this is, uh, so we were at 135. What is this right here, 190? This is 205. My math is struggling. All right, 205. This is serious. Come on, 205. Throw it up there. Ready? Come on, you got it. 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 Come on, come on, come on, come on. Throw it up. Throw it up. Come on, come on. Give me one more. Give me one more. Give me one more. Give me one more. One more. There you go. There you go. That's it right there. That's it right there. Pretty impressive. 205. Now, how many people know, and you were watching, you were saying, he was, it was more challenging to throw up 205 than it was 1, 
135. Is that where we were at? Whatever, 135, right? It was more challenging. It was heavier. I couldn't even lift 205. It wouldn't even be possible, okay? I couldn't lift 205. But Clark can lift 205 because over the years, he has built up the strength through lifting his muscles, right? He, he has built up the strength to be able to carry or lift more weight, all right? Lay back down for me, Clark. Now, here's what's interesting in, in, in life is that, let, let me see these for a second there, sir. Thank you so much. Here's what's interesting is that every, every weight or every challenge that we face in life, and I said this earlier, it's not from God. I, I want to just point this out because there are trials that we face in life that are not from God, but there are also testings that we face in life that 100% are from God, all right? And I think it's important that we, that we know the difference, okay? Sometimes in life, we weigh ourselves down, right? Like Clark spends too much money because he doesn't have any discipline and he maxes out his credit cards. And now life is a lot heavier for him. And we're not blaming God because it's because he, he spends too much money, right? Now, even God is still faithful in that moment. But then Clark begins to describe to his small group or begins to describe to his pastor. He's talking to like, man, life's just crazy right now and debt's chasing me and or maybe Clark was unfaithful to his wife and he lost his family and now life is incredibly heavy and hard and that is on him because of the choices that he made. God is still faithful. God still makes beauty from ashes. God still causes good to come from bad. But we're not going to say, well, life's just heavy right now because God put this on me. God didn't put that on him. He put it on himself. But there are also situations in life where God tests us things that are out of our control or things that we did not deserve. And he's testing us to see how much stronger we've gotten or how much our faith has grown. So maybe Clark did nothing wrong, but he lost his job and he's having to trust God. Maybe Clark found out he's got cancer and he did everything he could to be healthy, but he's got cancer. And now he's facing that as a challenge or, or maybe there's something he's praying for and it hasn't happened yet. And this is a test that's from God. And while he's going through that season of testing, like life is heavy. Life is heavy, right? And so he's trying to walk in it. He's trying to carry it all. He's trying to be a husband and a dad and a good employee and a good Christian and a good volunteer at church. And life is just getting heavy. I'll remind you that Jesus said in John chapter 16, he said, but in fact, I go away. If I don't, the helper won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now, I, you, you know I'm not, I don't lift. I've, I've, we've already made that clear. But here's what I know about lifting. When I was a sophomore in high school, I took weightlifting class. You could take up to eight uh, physical activity electives. I signed up for all eight. And so, um, and so I, took, I took weightlifting, and the football coach was the weightlifting instructor. And I had never lifted weights before, all right? And so we started, and I don't remember what I started at, but I was getting a little bit stronger, getting a little bit stronger, and I got to where 135 was kind of what I, towards the end of the semester, 135, I would do, you know, three reps of 10 or three reps of 12 or whatever it is at 135. It was a 45 on each side. And I felt pretty beast. I mean, there's a lot of guys stronger than me, but I felt like pretty strong. But every four to six weeks, we would show up and there would be music playing like we were playing earlier and people would be going out of their minds and the, and the coach would be like screaming and getting in our face and saying, come on. It was max day. It was max day, okay? And max day, if you're not familiar with max day, ma it's called maxing out. And all that matters on max day is you just got to lift it one time. 
And the purpose of Max Day is to see how much stronger you've gotten since the last Max Day. Does that make sense to everybody? So when I started out in weight training, I mean, I'm, I'm making this up a little bit. My max was probably 150. I don't know. I mean, if I get 150 at one time, I don't even, I'm not even sure. But as I was getting stronger and 135 was going up three times 10, whatever it is, max day came around towards the end of the semester and, and I maxed out at 195. I got 195 up one time. This is not about me. I'm just saying that's pretty impressive. I was about, I was about, about 5'8", 160. But anyway, so... So it's the same way in life, and I want to I show this to you because I want you to remember this, that there are seasons in life when we are pressed to the max. And during those seasons where we're pressed to the max, what happens is we find out how much stronger we've gotten since the last time that we were pressed to the max, right? Now, I do remember one other thing about max day is that whenever you maxed out, Whenever you maxed out, you always had to have a spotter, always. Now, you, they, they recommended that you have a spotter all the time, but when you know you can throw up 125, 135, it's not that big a deal if you don't have a spotter, right? But when you were getting ready to max out, you had to have a spotter. Why? Because there was a good maybe 50-50 chance that you could not lift what it is you were trying to lift. And so the spotter would come in, and he would make sure that you got it up at least one time so you could put it back on the rack. Or maybe you would do two or three, and then he would come in. So we, we just added, what do we add? Ten more? We're at 215, all right? And we're going to lift this, all right? But on the off chance that it's too heavy for you, Clark, we've got a spotter. Now, he's been cheering you on, but he hasn't helped you yet. He's got the world's okayest muscles, all right? So let's go ahead and see if we can get 215 up. Come on, come on, get it up. Right? We're lifting. We're lifting. Come on. It's getting too heavy. The spotter comes in, lifts it up, puts it back on the bar. Listen. The Holy Spirit in our lives is our spotter. God asks of us to do a lot of things because God is, loves personal responsibility. God wants us to take responsibility for ourselves. He wants us to make good choices. He wants us to have good habits. He wants us to do the things that we know that we're supposed to do. But there are seasons in life when no, there's not enough good choices. There's not enough good habits. Like life has just gotten heavy. And so the Holy Spirit shows up and he helps us. But here, here's what's interesting is that, you know, sometimes it's hard to it's hard to recognize the Holy Spirit as a helper because we can't see him, right? So it's like, well, yeah, thanks, Jason. The Holy Spirit's my spotter, but like, I feel like I'm going through this alone. And what happens is that God uses people, the Holy Spirit uses people to help us in life. So Rob, come on up here for me. Rob, come on up here. You and Daniel are going to get behind us here. Rob leads a men's small group, right? So Clark is going, go ahead and hop by there with, back there with Daniel. We've got two spotters now. So Clark is going through a tough time in his life. And Clark's, you know, things are happening at home, whatever it is. And so Clark decides, you know what? I'm going to show up to a men's small group. And Rob happens to be leading the small group. And they just so happen to be talking about something, whatever it is, because the Holy Spirit always works like that. And so Clark begins to talk to Rob about what he's going through in life. And what Clark realizes is that as he is talking to Rob, things seem to be getting better, that Rob is there to help him. So lay back down. Let's, let's, give, it another, let's give it another rep here. Max out here. And now that, now that Clark is part of a men's Bible study, as he begins to, go ahead, as he begins to, to lift things in life, 
when it feels too heavy for him. Yes, he's got the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit shows up in the form of Rob McGuffey, his men's Bible study leader. Andrea, come on up here for me. Andrea is our worship pastor, and so Clark decides, you know what, I'm going to be in church, and I'm going to show up, and I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here. And when Clark is in the presence of God and we're worshiping and songs, he doesn't know why he feels all the emotions that he feels, but something is happening as he worships and it feels like life is getting lighter, right? And it's because now the Holy Spirit is working through Andrea and Rob and Daniel to spot Clark. Let's go ahead and give it another one. Service that we attend. Now as we're worshiping and Clark's decided, you know what, I'm going to be in church Church is not just a service that we attend. Church is where we come to be a part of a, a part of a family. Devin, come on up here. And so Devin is leads our Devin leads our lift ministry and, and with along with uh, another team. And and so Clark has a relative or a friend who's going through something, and it's amazing how much other people's problems can weigh our life down sometimes. And because Devin and Melissa and Amy are there to help Clark's friend, now life it's still heavy. But when Clark can't feel, feels like he can't take it anymore, go ahead, Clark, give me another one. He's got people to spot him, and the Holy Spirit is working through their life. And so a couple months later, it feels like that Clark's life has gotten lighter. And it's not that it's gotten lighter. It's that the Holy Spirit has started helping Clark to navigate what's happening. I could, keep call, I could call up Brendan. I could call up Mike. I could call up people who work in the nursery, people who are on the prayer team. Because the Holy Spirit is using you to help people navigate life. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you because it's light. It's light. And, and so Clark is trying to go through life. He's trying to navigate everything, all the responsibilities. And if he tries to lift it on his own, he's going to be in trouble. And we've all met that guy who's like, I got it, bro. I got it. I don't need no help. I don't need to slide out because it. And next thing you know, he's laying on the bar trapped underneath it or sliding out because he, he doesn't know what he's, he doesn't know. Now, here's what's crazy is that whatever Clark's going through right now, he says to his small group leader, he says to his friend, he says, I just don't feel like I can make it. I don't feel like I can take any more. But three years down the road, after he made it through and God's growing him and stretching him, according to James 1, because when our faith is tested, your endurance has the chance to grow, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be complete. So three years from now, because he's been lifting and his faith has been tested and he's been going through life, three years from now, it's not 215 on the bar, it's 315. He's throwing up 215 like it's a piece of cake. Why? Because he's already handled life at 215. And he had people to help him and his muscles have grown. But now something else has happened and now life is at 315. And Clark says, I don't know if I can do it, man. Life is so heavy. And some Christian who's trying to be helpful says, remember, God won't give you more than you can handle. Wrong. God puts way more, our life puts way more on us than we can handle. But God says, I send you the Holy Spirit to be your helper, to be your spotter in life. And I'm sending your church family and I'm sending your small group leader and I'm sending that lady who watches your kids in the nursery and I'm sending the worship leader. And if you will let me help you, I will help you. Can we give him a hand? Come on, give him a hand. Some of you are caring more than you ever thought you'd be able to, but you're stronger now than you ever thought you would be. You can tell me stories and examples of when you didn't think you would make it, but you did. 
expected you to live life on your own. He didn't expect you to carry it on your own. His plan for your life was never to not max you out, and his plan for your life was never for you to handle it all on your own. So what does it require of us? Two things, we're going to close out. Humility and prayer. That's why it's so crazy for us to be arrogant or proud. Because the reality is, is that we cannot make it on our own. There are some things in life I can do, but there's a lot more things I can't do. I can't raise kids who love God. I can raise kids who make good decisions, hopefully. I can raise moral kids. I could raise kids who are in church, but I can't raise kids who love God. That's between the Holy Spirit and them. So I can't handle that. And so when my kids are making awful decisions and running away, I got to go to God and I got to say, God, I, I can't handle this. I can't make cancer leave my body. I could get treatment and I can try to eat better and all that stuff that whoever you talk to has an opinion. But at the end of the day, I can't make it leave my body. God has to do that. I can't apologize enough or buy enough gifts to fix my marriage. I can't make enough money to give away as much as I want to give away in my lifetime. So I begin to spot all these areas of my life where I can't handle it. And so it, there's a humility that comes out in me. Nothing brings out humility like testing. But then secondly, as I go to God and I pray, pray praying is not just about a list of demands. Praying is about talking to God about how you feel. God, I can't handle this. Some of us have memorized the Lord's Prayer, but we missed all the parts about dependence on God. Give me today my daily bread. I can't eat without you. Help me to forgive. I can't forgive without you. Give me strength and tent to deliver me from evil. Like God, I, I can't do this. And when we get to the point, when we get to the point where we look to God and we say, God, I can't do it. I can't manage it. I can't lift it. I can't parent these kids. I can't fix their problems. I can't beat this addiction. I can't fix this marriage. God, I can't. When we get to that point, God says, I know. I've known all along. I've just been waiting on you to realize you can't handle it. You can't handle it. But I can, but God can. And he sends us the Holy Spirit to help us. Would you stand with me this morning? I think, I think maybe the best way that we could close this out, this sermon out, and we've got a few other things, so don't leave just yet, but as I was thinking about this message and just how I wanted to end it out, I, I just wanted us to sing this song together, and it's just kind of a prayer, and no band, I'm just going to lead us, but I just want us to sing this song out, Lord, I need you, I need you every hour, I need you, and we're, we're singing this, but we're praying this and declaring this to God today, so will you just sing this with me? Lord, I need Oh